0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Thank you, Brother Sawyer. Praise the Lord everybody. Oh, let's magnify him on this Sunday morning. Would you do that? Hallelujah. We glorify you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, we magnify you. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's just love him, for he is worthy. He is worthy. Woo. We thank you, God, for everything you do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. If you were to grab your Bibles today to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, we'll be teaching from there. Also, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, amen, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> Anybody in the mood? My lands, my lands, my. I, know it was, I know it was 75 yesterday, I'm just thinking in faith that snow will come before the weekend's out. Anybody want some snow around here? Go ahead, Brother Adam Nelson, wave your hand out there. Oh, my lands, I feel a bad spirit coming in this room right now. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, reading with verse 26. This is something I have taught before, uh, but not the way I will today from this verse. And it, it says... Uh, um, I think we, let's settle. we need to get to Thanksgiving first. Is that right? Is that what I hear you say? Did you know, trivia quiz here, did you know that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday? Did you know that? Well, if you didn't, now you do. And uh, it has to do with turkey and deer hunting and being thankful. I really am thankful for each and every one of you. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. So all the angry people in the building, you just just have Bible to give you permission to be angry. He said, be ye angry. Everybody say, be ye angry. angry. And what? And sin not. It needs to be handled with limitation. He said, let not. That's all how you read it. Let not. That's commandment, isn't it? Let not. The sun go down upon your wrath. It's not an option. It's a commandment. Because why? It's continued. You see the colon there. But it's continued to the verse 27. Neither give place. Neither give place to the devil. So in these two verses, we find a principle that if something is not held in the confines of discipline, you're going to give place to the devil. I'd like to teach you today on this simple, simple truth on give no place to the devil. Everybody say, give no place to the devil. I know it's first word, but there's such a victory in this room. Would you just clap your hands and shout to the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated for a moment. Growing up in church, growing up in church, we would sing that song, Sunday school song. We'd sing, the joy of the Lord. Oh, you grew up in this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The devil doesn't like it, but I don't care. How many you remember that verse? The devil doesn't like it, but... I don't care. The devil doesn't like it, but... Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. and uh, And we understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the devil doesn't want you to have joy because it is your strength. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 and 9 that he says to love righteousness, to hate iniquity and I will be your God. And he said I will give you the oil of gladness. We should not be miserable serving the Lord. But we can have moments of misery, moments of emotion, moments of issues. And we see this written here talking to normal people that are believers. He said be ye angry and sin not. I've learned with my children that there's been times that they would get upset about something. I said, now don't you, don't you get upset about that. And I had to learn that it, that was wrong of me. They're allowed to be emotional. They're allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be sad. We are made in the image of God. How many know that? We're made in His image. That's exactly right, which means we take on His emotion. If you study God, you'll find that He likes to be praised, and so do you. The Bible says praise is comely. How many know it's true? It, we, we like, a guy likes to say, boy, you, you, you look healthy and strong. We don't like for somebody to walk up and say, you look so tired. Are you okay? <laughs> we don't like that. We like we like somebody to make us feel better than what we feel because we're made in the image of God. And when you begin to praise God, it moves him to do things. How many know that? And there was a guy I was growing up with, a little bit older than me, and all you had to do is say to Steve, Man, Steve is strong. He'll start swelling up right now. I mean, just You know what I think? I think Steve can lift that all by himself. It wasn't long he'd be trying to lift a a tree trunk up out of the ground. I mean, just, it it made him want to become stronger and better. Praise is comely. I do think that something about us that we should be encouragers to those around us. The easiest thing to do in human nature is to be critical or see something wrong. But we have to oppose that in marriage, oppose that in any relationship and find where something is right and we stand on that and we praise people in that. Praise is as an emotion uh, or as an action that we seek. How many know that's true? We're made in the image of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you look nice today. Well, have you lost weight? The atmosphere just got better in the room. <laughs> My lands, what are you doing? You look so much younger. I'm not telling you to lie. Don't, don't go out here and say, Pastor said lie on everybody just to make them feel it. That's not what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, things like you can say in a marriage that is great is, I enjoy being around you. You are fun. Uh, I like being around. You know, things that we like that because we're made in the image of God. And I think some people picture God, he's just up there, and he's, 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 he's got a lightning bolt in his hand. He's ready to kill everybody. That's not the God I serve. He is a joyful, pleasant, wonderful, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, quick to forgive. How I mean, know. that's who we serve. If you want to know who he is, watch, watch the 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 life of Jesus Christ. He loved. He 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 sat down and spent time with the children. He he healed people, was merciful. and, And you see that in him. We get our emotions from our Father. We get our emotions from our Creator. What is that? He was a jealous God. I mean, no, that's true. He could be a God of wrath, he could get angry. He was a God of love. These emotions we deal with. And he he's in the writings Paul addresses our emotions and the specific emotion that we all, I mean, some people are more subject to anger than the other. There's a song we learned in Sunday school, self-control, self-control. We'd sing it. The children's choir would sing it. That's indoctrination. Self-control, self-control. I got so mad I kicked the door. I stubbed my little toe. There's something that I learned about self-control. That was a children's song. I mean, who wrote? That? It had to be a mom that wrote that song. And, uh, but there's, there's things that we will deal with as Christians. Just because you're a saint doesn't mean you're not emotional. People are gonna do you wrong, you're gonna do people wrong. Uh, there's gonna be times you're gonna be frustrated. There's times you're gonna be sad. There's times you're going to deal with things. And he addresses to me, he's dealing with more than anger. He's dealing with emotion. And when you're dealing with emotion here, he says, Be ye angry. It's okay to be emotional. It's all right to be a saint and be frustrated. Uh, I don't think it's okay to be a Christian and cuss a little. Boy, I'm on a roll today, right now. I'm telling you right now. Uh, the Bible says, "Be angry and sin not." And like somebody said, somebody said, "Oh, I got—I don't cuss, but I think of all the words." One Christian said, But well, try not to think of the words either." But when you're mad, when you're mad, <laughs> it'll make your mouth want to open. How many know it's true? But what did he say? What What do you do when you're angry? It's It's not just I'm um, frustrated. When you're dealing with anger. When anger begins to go, you, you your body is ready to fight. Your 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 system goes into this fight or flight. It's going to do one or two things, and whether it's a marriage relationship, it's work, it's dealing with a boss, it's dealing with a coworker, it's dealing with somebody that works for you, dealing with dealing with your pastor. I don't know, but you're dealing with people, and I guarantee you're going to deal with anger if you have children. How I many know it's true? And uh, they're going to deal with anger because they have parents. And so when you're dealing with this, he said, "Be ye angry." But sin not. The emotion does not give you permission to become ungodly, unholy, and not pure. The Bible says in James that our tongue is a world of iniquity. Our tongue. It's a small member. But what? It boasteth many things. Wars are caused by it. And he goes on to say that, that... that your tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. A large animal can be steered by the mouth. He said, so is your tongue in your body. Because your tongue responding to emotion will cause your body to take a different direction. He said, even a large ship through a small helm, a rudder, can cause a large ship to change directions. I want to say that when emotion comes, you better be careful what you say because it would change directions. You'll start saying, I am not, I wish I was, uh, I wish that you, you'll start speaking doubt when things come in. You'll say things when you're angry that you would never say on a normal day. That's why in our, in our, um, our drug and alcohol class, we also teach anger management at the same time. Why? Because anger does what alcohol does. Anger does what drugs, what drugs do. It releases things in your brain that cause you to not be normal. He that offends not in word is the same as a perfect man. How many ever said something you regret? Come on, be honest with the preacher. How many ever said something that, that you couldn't get it back? Guy Smith. Founding pastors say, thoughts unspoken fall down dead. But you can't fix them once they're said. And and be able to embrace emotion without sin, a saint can do because he's given us grace to do so. So to respond to anger in a sinful way, you have to step over grace to do it. We should make covenants now that... Not while we're angry, but knowing we will be angry. Look at your neighbor and say, You know you're going to get angry. This isn't heaven, folks. I don't know. There's some doctrine going around a few years ago called preterism that said this is heaven. That's false doctrine. I don't feel good all the time. Are y'all hearing me right now? Look at your neighbor and say, This is not heaven. This is life. Temporal things. That means it's corruptible things. How many know that? Your body is aging. Uh, you, you don't feel as good as you used to. You got Uncle Arthur showed up in your family. Pains in your joints. And you're going to deal with things. You're going to deal with your own flesh. Your problem's not the devil. It's the flesh. He didn't nail the devil to the cross. He never nailed flesh to the cross substituting your sin and what you do in your flesh. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, it's the pride of life. The devil can only lure you to try to do something God doesn't want you to do. He can't force you. Even a person that's possessed, which most people aren't, most people are not. But a devil, a possessed person, that person has given them place. Most people are lured by sin. When lust is conceived, it brings forth. Every man is is turned away when he's led away by his own lust. Somebody say amen. And so the devil acts as a tempter to pull you away from the path of righteousness God has called you to be on. He might send somebody in your life to provoke you to anger. Provoke you to wrath. And you have to make a, a decision now on an altar that says, God, whenever my emotion gets out of whack, I'm not going to sin. I'm making a covenant. I will not say some things. I will not do some things. I will not respond to my anger. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you can have a family member that, that dies and you can allow yourself to grieve too deep, too low. You can Every emotion that you have must be governed, limited. Everybody take your hand and package that emotion and say, I can't get too far in this. I can't get too angry. I can't get too sad. And Your mind, oh, when we talk about the mind and we talk about lust, and we, we talk about lust as conceived, you men in the building talking about taking a, 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 a visual something too far maybe something sensual or sexual in the mind that instead of one look you take a second look and then begin to ponder a relationship with somebody that's maybe a stranger that we would call that lust and we would teach against that obviously and say don't do that don't let your mind go that far don't you don't you watch things that would cause your mind to be lustful and you need to control that that sexual appetite that you have that is God put in you a, a procreative nature of a man, even a woman. Don't let your mind go that way. We would all teach that from the time they're teenagers all the way up to now, that you need to govern your thoughts. But how about govern your emotional thoughts? That when you are dealing with a loss or a disappointment, next you know you are down low, so low, that you feel like you have no value. I'm not worth anything, nobody loves me. I don't want to live. We've got to be very, very careful that we don't let a loss of a family member take us to the doldrums that we are covered up in the muck of life with no personal value. God didn't intend for you to get down that low. This is good teaching. Because if lust can be limited, so can remorse. If lustful thoughts can be limited, so can anger. Not letting myself get that angry. And God, through His grace, gives you the ability. I'm going to give you a verse in Scripture. The Bible tells us this, that He will not put more on you than you can bear. That means He's going to keep His word in that. But you can put more on you than you can bear. You can take more on you than you can bear. Well, I feel a little—I feel a little kickback right here. You're wondering who I'm talking to. I'm talking to every single one of you. I mean, no, you can get lifted up in yourself and think you're something more than what you should. Start thinking so much of yourself. A humble man doesn't think less of himself; he just doesn't think of himself. That's humility, amen. That's humility. And I think if we're not careful, we let our mind go too far with assumptions and things. He said, "Be ye angry and." Sin not. You have to make a covenant. When my emotion starts getting out of play, I'm capping that emotion. Do you have the ability to do that? It's called bridling your spirit. The Bible says a man that does not bridle his spirit, he's like a city without walls. That means there's no limits. And if you have no walls, I'm going to tell you something right now. Every church should have walls. Every marriage should have walls. Every thought should have limitations. We are a church that has walls. Holy, it's it's narrow as the way which leads to life. That means there's limitations. It's not bondage, it's protection. And you get into the world and the world says just do what you want to do. Are you serious? So if I feel like killing you, I can kill you? Just do what you feel. Want to take your life? Take your life. Just do what you feel. Step away out of a relationship. Because the feelings are gonna come because people aren't always easy to deal with. In the church we say, I give no place to that. I'm not thinking that way. Oh, I might as well preach to you right now. I'm not gonna let this thought turn into a desire that I wanna see fulfilled. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna guard my mind by guarding my heart. I'm not letting this go that far. Somebody say amen. And I'm going to tell you, if you will believe this and trust this, when somebody falls down, somebody is broken in their emotion, the Lord's going to send reinforcement. The Lord's going to send strength. And every now and then when we, the Bible talks about when you see your brother falling. I know immediately we think about falling. We think of moral sin or backslid. Sometimes we can just have low moments and what we need is not somebody to kick us down and judge us, but to reach down and pick us up because two is better than one. Somebody say two is better than one. If you're going through something, don't stay away from church, run to the church. Amen. You should always run to the church. In the church is the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. You can get faith that will cause you to get up and say, you know what, it's really not that bad. All week it has seemed bad, but it's not that bad. I'm coming out of this. (laughs) Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says two is better than one because when one is weak, the other one is strong. If there's a battle, what does it say? When one is fighting the other will fight with him. And that's what you've got to understand. None of this has to be dealt with. Everybody say, alone. Sometimes we need somebody in our life say, no, 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 no. Don't you get, don't you let that go that far. Quit thinking that way. I believe accountability is good in this to help us. How many ever thought? Let me rephrase this. Now, how many ever just thought crazy? There's such awkwardness right now coming in this room. <laughs> because the ones that didn't raise their hand wanted to. That's why. I mean, just your mind can go. How I many know it's true? I mean, it will spin out of control. You can't give, you, you can't let it go too far by, by responding to your your emotions. And, uh, um, uh, and so when you're looking at this, be angry and sin not, he said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He said, don't let the day get away that you haven't forgiven. Do y'all have that? That you said, I'm not holding anything against anybody. The scripture teaches us that if you have ought with someone, you're to lay your gift at the altar, go make it right. Even if you think they have ought towards you, to go make it right. Because unforgiveness will build a wall between people and God. And then it's not long, you've got got walls up and you can't get breakthroughs. And I believe sometimes prayers aren't answered because we have ought with someone. And uh, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean I have to trust them. It just means I don't hold anything against them and I want them to be blessed. Somebody say amen. He said, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. We always picture this verse in a marriage. I don't know why, but this is the one that everybody thinks about just with a marriage. But it's not talking about a marriage only. It's talking about any relationship. Don't let the sun go down to your wrath. What does that mean? That means you, 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 you can't hold it against them when the sun goes down. I'm done. And, and, and he teaches this. He says, how often should we forgive if we're done wrong? He says, 70 times 7 a day. Have you added that up yet? Any mathematicians in here, you know what that is? That's a lot, that's what that is. That's 490 times a day. I don't know about you. It would be hard for me to get past 100. Are y'all, are y'all normal? Are you with me right now? I mean, somebody did me wrong 100 times in one day. I'd be I'd probably at 10, I'd had enough. But what he's saying is 70 is, is the number of completion, 7 is the number of completion. But when you begin to look at this, what he's saying is you can't let somebody do you wrong enough that you can't forgive them. Why? Because when it begins to get in your spirit, it will change you if you don't forgive instantly. It's like a root that begins to take place. It'll cause distrust in areas of your life you should have trust. It'll cause you not to love people that you should love. It'll cause you to view people the way you shouldn't view people. And your whole world will become polluted because of one person that did you wrong a lot. And so he said, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Don't think about their demise. He said, let me give the revenge, not you. And. Uh, And so what he's saying is, I'm not going to give. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hold this against them. Let somebody say Amen. Amen. He said because I'm going. I'm going to interpret this the way I see it. Because if you sin with anger and you don't let it, you don't let it go. By the time the sun goes down, he said, you're going to give place to the adversary. You're going to give place to the devil. I do believe that someone can get sick. Get sick, and they'll let some potential diagnosis. I remember. I remember doing a, uh, helping my wife with one time when she was in college, and I had uh, just graduated. It was her last semester. We just got married, and, and uh, she was doing a paper on multiple sclerosis, and that means multiple brown spots down your spinal cord uh, of the communication between your brain and your nerves. And uh, I, I did a big study on this, just helping her with the paper and writing about multiple sclerosis and all of its symptoms. By the time I got finished, I thought I had multiple sclerosis. <laughs> It's just the truth. And my mind began to go, oh my, oh my Lord, have mercy. And the mind can take, because you probably got something going on in your body right now. It's just called flesh. And uh, we can go and a sniffle can become, turn into an infirmity. It's just the truth. Because our mind can get out of place and we start embracing things that don't belong to us. I've seen people that had sicknesses that they thought so much on the sickness, they let their mind go, that they embraced a spirit of infirmity. If you do not control your emotions and you let it get out of control, I'm going to tell you what will happen. You will give place to the devil. And he becomes the voice in your life instead of the voice of God. Have a moment of, you know, they, they call it PT, uh is it PTSD or whatever post traumatic a, a trauma in your life that creates these disorders of thoughts it's real i dealt with so many tragedies in 5 years as a pastor that every phone call that came through i would have to process is it a death is my family okay for for years because i had so many people that funerals i preached and people that were personally connected set beside one that passed away, Brother Bob Spring. It affected me so much that death was now near that every phone call I had to filter, no matter what it was, I had to filter first to the thought that it could be a tragedy. That's normal. Are you hearing me? I feel like I lost half of you somewhere. It's normal. and you. But you, you have to govern that and not expect everything to be wrong. You have to work past that and say, it's going to be all right. And when you're sick, don't think death, think life. When you have a loss, don't, don't think I'm never going to get out of this because God will allow you to get through things you'll never get over. And what you need is not to isolate in your emotion and to dwell on this thought past sunset. You need to start speaking life. I will live. I will not die. This is temporary. This is not permanent. I've had loss, but this is not forever. I will not be ruled. I will not be ruled by this sickness. I will not be ruled by this thought. Somebody say Amen. And what happens is it puts you on your heels and you start expecting a, another loss, a, another kickback. And when I'm, I've, I've been several car accidents in this city and two in front of one place, and, and uh, after you've been rearing it so many times, guess what you do? Every time you stop your car, you look in your rearview mirror because you have expectations something could go wrong. Are y'all hearing me right now? I'm going to preach to you right now. There's got to get a moment, though, in faith that you stand up and say, it's not going to go wrong. God has declared the end of my life. God knows my tomorrow before I ever step into it. Come on, sometimes you got to speak the opposite of what you feel. That is called faith. You declare those things that aren't as though they are. My marriage is going to make it. Oh, yes, my mind is going to be healed. I'm going to be delivered of this infirmity. I'm going to be delivered of this sickness. I wish Somebody would stand to your feet and declare the promises and blessings of God. I'm going to succeed. I'm not going to fail. I will not slip up in sin. I'm going to be a righteous man. I'm going to be a righteous man of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I want you to shout this. Give no, place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. What door does he have access? What door is it that he gets access to your life? What is it? What is it? Can the devil access your life? Can he touch you? No. I'm covered in the blood. He cannot touch me. I can feel his presence, he wants to destroy me, you think he wants to destroy you? He wants to, he would absolutely say, what would you say? But he's not, he wants to and this is what he said, he said Simon Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, he's going to cut you up in little pieces. He's going to shred you. That's what that means. Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But Jesus said, but I prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. The thing that gives the devil place is unbelief. It's doubt. Does God love me? Does God know where I'm at? absolutely. He filled you with the Spirit and washed you in His blood. You told all your family members this the greatest experience you would ever had. The hand of the Lord is up upon my life. And you know what you've got to do? In a moment of frustration, in a moment that a spirit comes near you, you, say you have no place here. I'm not taking that thought any further than this. Faith is speaking those things that aren't as though they are. I am okay. God's hand is upon me. Woo, I wish somebody would get what I'm saying right now. You picture destruction instead of fruition of blessing. You know why you need to be in the presence of God? Because you will never be in the presence of God where you see fear and destruction in your life. When the presence of the Lord comes in, you know what you're going to feel? You're going to get your joy back, your peace back, your happiness back and say it's going to be all right. I wish somebody would shout it's going to be all right. Come on, the devil said your kids aren't coming back, but God said they're coming back, and I don't care what the devil says. I'm not dwelling on that. I will speak what God says he's going to do. Some of you are one declaration from a miracle, and you ought to stand up and prophesy. My son is coming home. My children are coming home. God's going to do a work. I don't care what the emotion says. God's going to do something powerful in our life. Come on, I wish somebody would get the joy It said, it's not over till it's over. I will speak faith against every opposing voice. I will speak faith against somebody shout, hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen, the fruit of the spirit. Now, I'm gonna re- bring revelation to you. Everybody say, give no place to the devil. He comes as a roaring lion. He has a loud mouth. Everybody say, "The devil. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil has a loud mouth. And guess what? God's voice is a steel. Sometimes it's hard to hear God's voice when you're listening to the devil. Seducing spirits. of the devil. His voice, he's got a voice that he speaks doubt and unbelief. If the devil tells you you're gonna die, you just say, turn it upside down. Take your hands and say I'm gonna live. You're not worthy to be in the church. I'm worthy to be in the church. Jesus doesn't love you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Oh, right now you're righteous, but in five years you're going to make a moral failure. In five years I'm going to be more righteous than than what I am right now. Your marriage is gonna fall just like your parents. My marriage is gonna last longer than I live. Are you getting what I'm saying? Give no place to the devil. And so you have this thing though that the Bible says he is a treasure, where? In an earthen, somebody say an earthen vessel. Turn to Galatians chapter five. I've been teaching about the fruit of the spirit I mean, great messages preached about the fruit of the spirit, but the Urshans preached a great message, general conference, about the fruit of the spirit. So impacting. And uh, but Galatians five, Bible says Galatians five and sixteen. How many want to succeed in the Lord? Do you believe the devil's coming after you? Is there a war? Huh? War against your soul. Now, now let's look at this scripture. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Capital S, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. He said, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, lust of the flesh is, 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 is more than sexual sin. Don't limit that. To uh, something sexual. A desire of the flesh. Are y'all hearing me? He said if you walk in the spirit. That's why you got to start your day in the spirit. So you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17 says for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Means its desires are opposing what the spirit wants. And the spirit, what the spirit wants is against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would or that you cannot do the things you would normally do. Some of you were fighters before you came to the Lord. And now you gentle giants, gentle people in the house of God. How did that happen? Argumentative, but not now. What happened? Grace of God, following the Spirit. Look what he says in verse, verse 18. He said, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. It means I'm not checking a list. If I follow his spirit, I will always fulfill the law. That's what he teaches us. His spirit will never separate us from his word. If it's a spirit telling you to do something to the scripture, it's not a holy spirit, it's an unclean spirit. God's spirit will always, listen, I'm teaching you, you've got to embrace this. God's spirit, the atmosphere of it will always be the fruit of the spirit. And if there's something pushing you to a decision that's not love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and uh, temperance. If there's something pushing you beyond that, faith, it's not God's spirit. It's a spirit, but not God's spirit. Amen? Look what it says. He goes on next and he talks about that, that body that you're living in. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery? Let me know it's a work of the flesh. Is it natural? We're afraid to answer these questions because you're afraid you're going to get called out. Fornication? Any, Any sexual act before marriage? Uncleanness? That's not talking about not bathing. It's not. That's sexual desires that are influenced by pictures. That's what that's talking about, because that's what they did in Canaan land. They had they had artistic designs that, that promoted sensuality, sensuality, should, sensuality or or uh, uh, sexual relationship intimacy should never be should never be uh, driven by art, because that type of intimacy is always linked to idolatry and witchcraft. It's quiet in the building, but it's the truth anyhow. That's why I was talking about uncleanness. That's why he said, when you get in the promised land, tear the pictures off the walls in Numbers 33. Get rid of that stuff because their relationships are driven by, by unclean spirits, unclean culture. That's not, that doesn't promote wholesome, healthy marriage and relationship. Oh, Pastor Brown, we've got teenagers in the room. They ought to be the ones hearing this from the church and not just from the world. Don't you dare let your gaming system turn to some pornographic site. It's evil, it's wicked, it's not of God. Come on, young people, jump to your feet, clap your hands and say, thank you, Pastor, for teaching us and preaching us the truth. Shouldn't embrace that stuff. That's of the world. It's destroying families. It's destroying minds. Doesn't produce wholesome godliness and the devil. It's a doctrine of the devil. Be seated for a moment. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. That's extreme sexual desire. That's, That's sexual desire with no limitations. That's what that means. So there's no governance on it. Goes on, verse 20. It's not an accident, it's mentioned next, but it says idolatry. Idolatry, witchcraft. Everybody say witchcraft. Work of the flesh. Hatred, that's a work of the flesh. That's what you were born with. All of these things, all you got to do is just exist, and these things are going to be in your, in, your, in your flesh. You have to try not to hate. Try not to have idolatry. Why is idolatry a work of the flesh? Because naturally you want to worship something you can see and control. You want to worship something that you can design, and you get credit for it. You want something that you can say, look what I made. We don't need a God that we control, that we can set up and take down. Oh, no. We need a God that's unlimited. Amen. And we bow to a, we bow to him. We, come on. We bow to him and say, not my will but thine be done. It's the law. Never bend your knee to an image and worship it. You take trips overseas, and you go, and there's statues of Jesus everywhere. Don't you dare go up and kiss his toe. Don't you dare bow down before some woman and pray to her. That's an image. The Bible says to bow down to the no, people overseas. I've been in their temples. Go over there in those massive sanctuaries and edifices. You go there, and there are saints that they honor, that they pray to. Imageries. They get on their knees, and they burn candles to saints. That's not scriptural. Idolatry and imagery will always bring access to a spirit because if it's a man you're praying to, you are limited and that will cause unbelief. You will limit God to a, to a man, but we don't serve a God you can put in a box. He is unlimited. There's, he can do absolutely anything that you would ever want. Can you say amen? Oh, I'm running out of time. Listen here, I asked a man one time, I said, tell me about your Christian. It was some Orthodox Christianity. I said, well, tell me about it. He's, and he had a picture of a saint with him. He put it out and I said, what is that? He said, that's an icon, an icon. I said, well, tell me about it. Well, this was so-and-so and they were very holy and very this and he said, I pray to him. I said, what do he pray to him for? He said, because he was holy enough to talk to because none of us are worthy. Hold on a minute. You're going to worship an image of a man that's going to speak to you that you're not worthy enough to approach the throne of grace? That's not Bible. That's unbelief. I'm going to tell you, come boldly to the throne of grace. You can bypass me and get to him. I come to tell you, you can confess your faults to him and he will make you whole. He'll heal your body, save your marriage, touch your mind, lift you up. He's a personable God. Oh, jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout, we have access to him. Woo. Look at your neighbor and say, Idolatry? is unbelief i don't need an image i need a savior he fills all space you can't go where he is not how many believe he is a god of god and the kings of kings and the lord of lords oh i wish you just clap your hands before we go and say i'm so thankful i have a god that has no limitations a god that has all power all authority all knowing I want you to look at your neighbor and say, we will give no place to the devil. But we will give all space to Jesus. I want him in my mind. I want him in my heart. I want him in my home. I want him in my marriage. I want him in my parenting. I want him on the job. Is there anybody that feels that way? (laughs) Praise God. Amen, amen. Look at two or three people and tell them, you look nice today. Tell somebody, I'm so glad I'm not angry at you. We're going to start church at 11. How many are going to come in this sanctuary with your Praise on them, praising the King of kings and Lord of lords. Joy is coming. High five somebody and say, joy is coming.